welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast. We are the Sustainable Transformation Nutrition Coaches, and our show will help you get leaner and perform better in a way that lasts with shows about nutrition, recovery, and the all-important art of inner work. Today's episode is the first in our series on the art of the streak. Marcus Smith is one of my former clients who will be telling the story about how he went from lying on the side of the road in the middle of the desert with seven broken ribs, a shattered scapula, and a punctured lung to running 30 marathons in 30 days within an eight-month period. Before we jump in, I want to remind you that our calorie and macro calculator worksheet has been updated. And when you download it, we'll also send you resources to help you create a nutrition streak so that you can finally develop consistent habits. I find the number one struggle people have with their nutrition is consistency. So if you want to receive our resources on the topic, download the calorie and macro calculator worksheet at beyondmacros.com worksheet or email me at matt, M-A-T-T, at beyondmacros.com. And pay attention to these episodes. Take some time to reflect on each one. Preferably, write down the lessons you learned on a piece of paper when you're not driving or cooking. Take time to examine how you can implement those lessons in your life to develop consistency. And when you do take the time to reflect, share with us what you come up with. This story begins on the side of the road in the middle of the desert. Marcus and I were working together while he was putting in eight-hour training rides few days per week in preparation for a 1,000-kilometer bike race through Oman. Just a few weeks out from the event, I get an email from Marcus letting me know that he was in a hospital bed after being hit by a truck. And my heart sank knowing how much work this man had already put in. In my mind, something had been taken from him. But you will soon see the resilient mindset that made this Marcus's best year ever. When I was on the side of the road, when I got hit by a truck and I hit a brick wall, I, I basically, I was laid there on the floor and I was shouting at the guy that hit me because I was fully conscious. And um, I was like, why did you hit me? And then I realized that I couldn't breathe. And I realized that I was perhaps in a little bit of trouble. And then when, because there was blood coming out, when, when I hit the wall, my shoulder broke and I broke seven of my ribs on, on the impact. And yeah, and, and I knew there was something wrong when there was blood coming out of my mouth. That's what was like, like I was I literally, I was like, this only happens in movies. This is not real life. <laughs> But it was real life. And Marcus had to find a way to make it out of this situation alive. Your life doesn't flash in front of you, but you start to think about things. And the thing that came into my mind was, actually, I'm living a really good life and I don't want to die right here, right now. And so I asked myself a question. I was like, well, what can I do to stay alive? And the answer was breathe. (laughs) And and that's, you know, that's quite weird in that it's something that you take for granted every single day and every single minute of the day and you just do so, so subconsciously. But that was, that was all I needed to do right then in that situation. I, you know, they were talking about the ambulance. I didn't care about an ambulance because I knew there was no ambulance anywhere near us. Like we we're 80 kilometers 
from like in the middle of two cities basically so 80 kilometers from one city 80 kilometers from another city and i just knew that there was you know it was at least an hour to two hours away before i got medical help so in that situation that was the biggest learning from the start you just kind of like what can i do right now and now i've taken that into what can i do right now to make my life better but in that situation it was like what can i do right now to keep my life so marcus just kept breathing even though it was the most painful thing he could do. It was literally, like I said, it was about two and a half hours before I got any relief from the pain and any assistance in breathing. And that's quite a long time when you left, my left lung was punctured. So I was going on my right lung and, you know, with all those broken bones, the shock and the pain was just, I don't know if you've broken, I mean, if you've broken a rib or anyone that's listening has broken a rib, like it's quite painful to do anything like lifting your arm is like super painful and um, breathing is the last thing that you really want to do and then you're having to fight for every breath it just makes it even worse which was you know so that was kind of the start of things really marcus did eventually make it to the hospital after having to be transferred from one ambulance to another and he would finally get a peek into the damage that the accident had caused like everyone comes into the hospital and they say you know, uh, what's the recovery time? And I remember the orthopedic surgeon coming to see me in intensive care. Um, I was the third day I was in intensive care. And he said, listen, I've looked at your scans. He said, I can't operate because your shoulder blade, your scapula is in so many pieces. He said, we can't really do anything with your ribs because like, I don't know where to start because there's seven of them that are broken and your third rib is broken in two places. And he said, you're just going to have to take it day by day. And I, I said to him, how long will it take? He said, I don't know. Even though Marcus's doc didn't know how long the recovery would take, Marcus already had practice with the process, one breath at a time. In the case of recovery, it started with one step at a time. A lesson that will come in handy later. Marcus was in a hospital bed all day with very limited ability to move. So he focused on what he could do rather than what he couldn't. I had physio in, in the hospital and the, phys, like, the physio was just fantastic. It, I mean, the first time I had physio, it took, me, it took me about 10 to 15 minutes to get up from the bed and walk four paces to the bathroom. Um, but then the next day, you know, and, and, and this is how I, I think we're stuck a lot in a world of, of, of you know, caring too much about what people see us as and how we've out ourselves. I remember walking down the ward. I've got a blood bag from a, a, a drain on my lung. So I've got a tube into my lung. So I've got one blood bag from that. They put a catheter in for my pee. And I'm walking down this ward with the physio. And he's just got these two bags, a bag of piss and a bag of blood, just hooked onto his belt. And we're just going for a walk. And I'm like, this is just, <laughs> it's just so surreal, you know? And it's just like, and I got back from that walk and it probably took about 20 minutes to go about 30 meters, not even far, just down the hospital ward and back. And I sat in the bed and I was absolutely spent. And I was like, wow, that is just the most amazing feeling, just being able to walk again. Marcus's recovery was really like building a snowball. He just focused on what he could do and from the outside, it appeared that he recovered miraculously, but it was no miracle. 
it was step by step that that snowball was formed. I remember distinctly when I was in ICU in the first hospital because I was transferred after a couple of days to another ICU. And on the second day, I just sort of looked at my left hand. It was the left side of my body that was broken. And um, I, I just said, like, I just wonder if I can turn my hand. It was palm down, just laying on my leg. And I just tried to lift my palm off my leg and rotate it so it'd become palm up. And I could do it once. It took about 15 seconds and it was really painful. And I was like, okay. I'm in here the whole day. What about if I do 10 repetitions of that every hour for every hour that I'm awake? You know, <laughs> like literally just turning my hand from palm down to palm up. I just tried to focus on what I could do. And I did tons of it. Like, I don't know how many, how many like individual repetitions I did for my shoulder. Like people say, oh, your shoulder recovered fast. I'm like, yeah, but it's not a mistake. Like, it's it's because I worked for hours and I did all of the shit that no one wants to do. And that shit no one wants to do that Marcus did really sounds like shit no one wants to do. But Marcus wanted to repair his shoulder. So he just kept focusing on the next step to make that a reality. After about 10 days, I was like, I've got to go to the gym. I need to start training. And um, I mean... I remember the first workout I did, it was 100 uh, rounds Tabata, which lasts about an hour. So just Tabata intervals, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for 100 intervals. And it was the most basic stuff. I, I would step up onto a mat that was two inches high. Um, I would literally just hold, try and raise my hands up for 20 seconds and then pull them down which was incredibly hard because my left hand was just completely buckled. And I just figured out like four or five movements that I could do. And I did it for an hour, barter style. And then I'd go back the next day and I'd try and figure out four more movements or five more movements. And I just kept doing that every single day. And you get progress. Now, what I didn't tell you about Marcus's time in the hospital is this crazy idea that he had. Before the crash, a friend had sent him the information about one of the hardest trail races in Europe, a run through Corsica. And I was like, wow, that looks quite good. And when I was in hospital, I pulled it up and I was like, I think I can do that. This was on like 15th of February. I'm completely buckled, but I was like, definitely not getting back on my bike too soon because I don't think that's a good idea. And my family are not going to be too happy with it. Um, but I'm pretty sure I can run. So I sort of set in my mind, I mean, I know I was talking about small stuff just before, but I sort of set in my mind, I was like, wow, if, if I could run this thing in, in July, that would be really cool. Um, and that was, that was kind of my mindset. And I just jokingly sent it out to one of my friends and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And um, so I think it was about four weeks after I got out of hospital, um, I just wanted to be in the environment. Like that's why I trained a lot at my gym. And then we have through our endurance division, we have a track session every Tuesday. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go. I just need to be in the environment of, of like-minded people, you know, people that are just, you know, doing good stuff and, 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 and this stuff. And I just went up to the track and I picked the slowest group and I was like, I'll see if I can stay with these guys. And it was, 
it was pretty damn painful because my ribs hadn't healed. But that's that's when it sort of started. Marcus did run the Corsica Trail in July. And equally impressive, he ran a 42-kilometer trail race just three months after the accident for one of his sponsors, Volvic Water. Oh, yeah. And he also completed a challenge on the shortest day of the year where he biked 50 kilometers, ran 50 kilometers, and then biked another 50 kilometers all during the nighttime hours. It wasn't easy, but again, it didn't happen by accident. It wasn't good at the start, mate. I'll be honest, it was, it was slow. It was incredibly painful. But every session I went to again, I got better and I felt better. And, you know, that's, again, a massive win. And so every single day I was having those victories. At this point, Marcus was fully frothing on running. And around August, September, just six months after the accident, Marcus got the crazy idea to do 30 marathons in 30 days. As we sort of spoke about there, like I like to do challenges, but most of the time I travel outside of the UAE. And I was like, I wonder if we can do something that's in the UAE that, I mean, I've lived here for 30 something years. So, you know, it's kind of home. And like, let's, I thought to myself, when we travel, we don't really impact the local community with what we do. So I sort of started saying to myself, like, what challenge can I do in the UAE? And last year, 2017, um, the Crown Prince set up an initiative called Dubai Dubai Fitness Challenge 3030, in which for 30 days, he encouraged or challenged the whole country to do 30 minutes of exercise. And he made it super easy. He put different um, different fitness villages all around the town, and there was a big buzz about it. And it, it was it was super successful. And I was like, ah, oh, that's coming October, November. I wonder if we can tie in with that initiative. You know, it's aimed at just getting people to. It goes back to what I was saying before. You know, small chunks of fitness, thirty minutes a day. It's super easy, and then hopefully they build on that. So, and at the same time, I was thinking of that. I actually, read. Dean Karnazes book, um, he did 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days, which is just huge. And what I liked about his book is that people ran along with him and wherever he went, he sort of, he managed to leverage the local community and get a bit of buzz about running. And I was like, well, if there's anywhere in the world I can do something like like that, it's in, in a city like Dubai. So... I pitched the idea to the people that organized to buy fitness challenge. And it was quite amusing because their immediate response was like, no, no, you don't understand what our challenge is all about. We're about 30 minutes of exercise a day for 30 days, motivating sedentary people. What you're doing is ridiculous. And, you know, we just, we just, I mean, that's what, that was their reaction. They were just like, we just don't see how this can work. And I was like, no, that's, that's why you need me to do it. Like <laughs> you need me to do it because I'll be the wow factor and I'll make it, I'll make it so huge that all these other people go, well, if that idiot's doing a marathon every day, then I can easily do my 30 minutes a day. Here's how Marcus got ready for the challenge. But I sat down, I have a, a young guy that works for me um, in the endurance section and we sort of sat down and I said, this is the idea. He's like, what do you think? And Pretty much like the guys at the, the organizing committee, his eyes just went wide open. He's like, oh my God, I don't really know. 
Um, and then we started to brainstorm and, and to say, okay, what, you know, as, as, as people should do, you know, what's, what have, what have we got? Like what, what tools have we got that are going to help us to do this? What are the threats? You know, where could it potentially go wrong that we need to kind of prehab? And, you know, we identified that, yeah, okay, all this damage on my joints and all of that. So we sort of started on a program like that. And then we were like, okay, we need to test how we need to get the body and mind feeling how it feels to run back-to-back days. So we put together a, a progressive training plan and, you know, we started off like, 15k a day for three days yeah that feels good then the next week we'd go up to like a 20k then maybe a 25k and we'd, we'd just do these different training blocks and then um it's actually quite nice well not really nice but my wife had to go to the uk in september for some surgery on her knee and i went back with her and i was able to do a lot of running there in a good climate because that was a challenge as well because here in august and september it's it's like ridiculously hot and so to actually do good training, your heart rate, like you can't go out for four hours because your heart rate is through the roof, you're dehydrated, and it just zaps you like nutrient-wise. It knocks you around. You can only, you, it's very hard to run back-to-back days at length. Um, so I was super lucky because we went back to the UK and spent two and a half weeks there. So whilst my wife was struggling a little bit with a knee surgery, I was – I was able to duck out in the morning and, and, and go and get like three or four hours of running done every day. And it was kind of then when I, when I started to feel what it felt like with back-to-back days that A, I started to understand a little bit more the magnitude of what I was going to do, but B, sort of how it would feel as well. And that's, that's quite interesting, like to be able to have that um, rehearsal in a way in, in the training in September before it kicked off in October was was really beneficial. Once Marcus kicked off the 30 marathons and 30 days challenge, I found it fascinating that the first runs were the hardest. Like the first three days were some of the hardest days. And then, and this is what's just totally amazing, is that your body starts to adjust. It just starts to get used to it. Like on the fifth day, that was a good day. I ran, I actually ran uh, around an athletics track. So a 400 meter athletics track for 105 laps to do my 42.2 that day, which was, <laughs> which was pretty, that was, I learned a lot that day. Um, but it, it was like, it was only until, it was those first days that I started to feel everything. And on the fifth day, like my hamstring on my right leg was sore. And I was like, oh my God, my hamstring's gone. And then two days later, like two days after that, I never felt my hamstring again. So you'd get all these different like physical feelings and then you'd get mental feelings as well because although you try and stay present, like you are thinking a lot about, you know, you're three or four days in or within the first week, you're like, wow, this is, this is it for 30 days. Like, and it's a 4.15 alarm clock and it's the whole process, you know, it's, it's the run, then come home, recover, sleep, eat, sleep, physio, sleep again and start again, you know? So I think, I think it became a new normal, like to, to answer your question, literally, mate, I think it became a new normal after about five to seven days when I'd started to figure out what the, like, started to cement the routine. Despite the first three days being the hardest, the last 10 days were the most painful. 
And there were a lot of questions that the pain brought up. And that was good actually until a day, until the last sort of 10 days. And the pain just started to get worse. Um, had a small issue in my left ankle. Um, and by the day, it just swelled up more, moved up into my calf. And yeah, that's when it got quite uncomfortable. But I think as well, I mean, you're doing a bit of running and, 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 and you know about physical physical stuff, mate. Like there is a thing as a runner's high and you, I got that feeling of runner's high or call it like a state of flow every single day for a certain amount of the day. But you also get feeling of absolute hell every single day for a certain amount of the run. So you're sort of, you're fighting this just incredible roller coaster of, of emotions and this incredible sort of like, how is this, how is this working? How for, you know, 5k, can I just feel amazing? And then I just like every single step just hurts. And then it goes again and I feel okay. You might be wondering as I was, how Marcus got through the hellish portions of his runs. How he didn't let the enormity of the remaining 10 marathons derail him on day 20 when he was in the worst pain of the whole challenge. And you might remember the beginning of this story with Marcus on the side of the road fighting to stay alive. He just had to focus on the next breath. Well, his approach to finishing the challenge of 30 marathons might not come as a surprise to you. You know, people say to me, you know, at any stage, did you want to, did you want to stop? Well, no, because it, that was never a choice in my mind to stop because I'd already, I only have that. I'd managed to create like quite a one track mind about it, that the only option was to finish this thing. And the only way that I'd finish it was to run one marathon every day. And the only way you run one marathon every day is just to keep moving forward. So if I could keep moving those steps forward, then it, was, it wasn't easy, but it was relatively easy to do. The removal of choice was also made easier by the commitment Marcus made to be a champion for the Dubai Fitness Challenge. This is one of the biggest things when I talk about like activating community. Like I finished at 12 schools. The, the smallest school I finished at had about 200 kids, and the biggest school had around 1,500 to 2,000 kids waiting for me. What like what would I, what would I do? Just call ahead and say, "Yeah, guys, uh, I just didn't really feel like it today. Sorry, just tell the kids to go back to class, and maybe I'll come tomorrow." Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> again, the choice, like the choice, is completely removed. You have to, you have to do it. Even though there was pain and trials in Marcus's thirty marathon streak, he also feels as though each day was the best of his life. The last day was 100% the best day. Um, I'll, I'll come to that in a second. I enjoyed parts of every day. Like I have every run named. I have every run. I have the list of people that ran with me. I have a list of people that if that was their marathon, if they did a marathon or if it was first time. You know, that's, I had over 400 people running with me over the course of the 30 days. I had close to 50 people completed the full marathon and I think almost just under 20 people completed their first marathon with me, which 
that was just wild. Like I just never, ever thought that would happen. So, you know, that that's what made parts of the days just so amazing is that someone had come out for 5K or 10K was their PR of running distance before and they'd still be with me at 25K. And like I would be like, this is just the best day of my life. Marcus finished all 30 marathons. On day 28, he had the honor of running eight kilometers with a crown prince. And they just got to shoot the breeze discussing Marcus's training, nutrition, and more. Marcus also had a video of finishing one of his last runs projected onto the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa. And as he just mentioned, despite these amazing opportunities, the last day was 100% his favorite. Why? Not because he was finally done, but because he saved his best effort for last. We just need to go sub four. I said, I can't run 30 marathons in 30 days and not do one of them sub four. So we haven't done one yet. We're going to save the best to last. I've done everything else. I've run on different events. I've run on a track. The track was a great day, mate. That was that was wild. That was one of the highlights as well, to be honest. It was just, it's crazy running around in circles for four hours, 15 minutes. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. um, so on the last day, I had... Um, I had three, I had my coach and I had two other, two other guys and we'd set it up. So one of the guys would get me to 21 K then another guy would hop on. The other guy would stay with us, but another guy would hop on for 10 K and then my coach would join for the last 10 K. And, um, they were just my paces. They, they would, you know, they would make sure that I had water. So they filled my water bottle as, as we went and, and all of this. And they, all I had to do and this comes back, this is the same message all the way through. All I had to do was keep running. That's all I had to do. And I was, I woke up on the Saturday morning. It was a Saturday last day. And my ankle was sore. But for some reason, another miracle had happened. It wasn't quite as sore as it had been for the last 10 days. To give that pain some context, I was taking a Voltaren before I went to bed and then I'd have a Voltaren either just before I started running or halfway through running. And then I'd probably have one after I finished running to bring the inflammation down. So I was like taking way too much Voltaren and my stomach was in, I mean, you know better than anyone what too many anti-inflammatories does to your stomach. It's not really that good. Um, and I was on that for sort of the last 10 days and I was like, I woke up that morning. I was like, actually my, my foot, my ankle feels a little bit better this is awesome. It's, it's just on. I know I can do this. And all I had to do was run. And we just, it was just from the start, it was just awesome. I just, I'd, I'd done bits of the route the night before and I just knew where we were going. I knew where I had to be at the times. So I had it all mapped out. I knew we were going to run a negative split. So we we're going to run, get faster as we went, went. And we ended up, I was actually checking out earlier for, for, for a talk I'm giving this week in Dubai. We ran the last 3K in just under 12 minutes. So we were, yeah, and we finished with 3.46, which is like 14 minutes faster than planned. At this point, if you think Marcus is crazy, he begs to differ. For me, I think I'm quite normal. I don't think there's anything special about what I'm doing. I think, you know, Dean Karnassus did 50 marathons in 50 days. You know, I don't think he's abnormal. I think he just did what I did for longer. I think, I think it's all the other people that are not doing incredible things 
and they're not living life to the full on their terms. It doesn't, not everyone has to run 30 marathons in 30 days, but people have to look themselves in the mirror every day and say, yes, I am getting better every single day. Like those that aren't, they're the, they're the abnormal people in my opinion, but society has told us these days that this guy's done 30 marathons. He's just like, he's an alien. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just a normal guy. I run a food business. I run a fitness business like a million other people in the world. Do you know what I mean? And when we break it all down, Marcus is a normal guy. He just has an abnormal ability to set a vision and then focus only on the next thing that needs to be done to reach it. Oh, I'm 100% positive that I was able to be successful because I was able to do small things. And I think that that speaks from my crash into, into the marathon. When it got tough in the marathon, it was very primal, very basic, stripping everything back and just saying, okay, just put one foot in front of the other. There's a water stop in 5K. We'll get water and then we'll, we'll, we'll think about things there. And you get to 5K and you just keep on going. And I think that's the – I think everyone's looking for a really complicated answer. Marcus wanted to leave everybody with one last piece of advice. Here's a good stat to finish up with, and I use this for the kids. Marathon takes almost 45,000 steps, there or thereabouts, because my watch told me every day. So if you can do one step, which everyone can do, all you have to do is have the ability to repeat that 45,000 times, and then you're at the end of a marathon. I hope you were inspired by Marcus's story. I'm going to try my best to stay out of the way of these stories and give you the space to reflect and extract your own lessons. As I mentioned in the series introduction, I want you to consider starting a streak of your own. It doesn't have to be 30 marathons in 30 days. You don't have to decide what it is today, but just realize it can be something very, very simple. If you want to create a streak in the realm of nutrition, a great place to start is our calorie and macro calculator worksheet. When you download it at beyondmacros.com slash worksheet, you will get some follow-up resources to help you plan your streak. Now, to stay up to date with any of the very normal stuff Marcus is doing, and to see a visual recap of his 30 marathons, you can follow him on Instagram at mjd underscore smith, or just search Marcus Smith or Interfight. And if you find yourself in Dubai, definitely check out his gym, Interfight. If you loved this episode, and especially if you were inspired by this episode, share it with someone. Just hit the share button directly in your podcast app and send it as a text message. Or if you can't think of someone to send it to, snap a screenshot of your podcast player and share it on social media with your insights. And then tag us so we can hear your takeaways and give you a shout out. Stay tuned because next week, we have a streak that will feel like something you could do. I have a chat with my friend David Robinson, who has worked out every day for the last three years and in the process has achieved all of his fitness goals one day at a time. Next up, after David, we have an amazing 41 and a half year running streak, which will have its own lessons as well. So there are some great lessons to be extracted from these stories, and I look forward to sharing them with you. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Much love, Beyond Macronians.